0: This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Tinned Champagne. For that special day when you hear, Do you take this man? Try Grace Brothers Tinned Champagne from Japan.
1: Mr. Brandon, are you free?
0: I'm free we I'm Brandon. Right.
1: Like and I'm pom And this is That Does pom 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 podcast about are you being served
0: all right hey
1: gladys how are you
0: oh she's doing well she's sparkly and ringy i don't know <laughs> hello mr jeff hello unanimous
1: where is esmeralda
0: she's on sabbatical at the costa planca she's visiting <laughs> mr granger
1: visit mr granger awesome
0: <laughs> yeah so here we are again we've had lots of contacts and can we just lead with an apology. Is that alright, Mr. Jeff? Is the floor open to apologies?
1: You have the floor, Mr. Brandon.
0: Oh, good. Well, thank you. We would like to officially recognize our pals, our friends, our comrades. Our mates. Our mates. Um, at the SitCon... <laughs> I can't even get it right. The SitCon Club Podcast. Hello, guys. Um, um, we were calling it in the last episode, Pod Nose, which is the... Uh, what the network they're on but the the podcast name is the sitcom club sit i can't say it the sitcom club and um they're really cool two bunch of blokes uh originally from the uk who review british tv shows and you should check them out so i just wanted to give them a name check and apologize for calling them Podnos, which is the network not the name so they've so, all done very well
1: uh you know, who else has done very well is the Fat Old Nerds podcast. So this is these are yeah. three guys from somewhere in the States, I'm going to guess by their accents, from the South, that have a really eclectic uh, range of interests, from sci-fi movies to UFC and MMA and wrestling. RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul's Drag Race. And <laughs> yeah. one of them is a fan of Are You Woo. Being Served and Fanned Out About Us. So, um, yeah, go ahead and give those guys a listen as well. You've all done very well, faddle nerds.
0: And um, that's what they call themselves, so thank you. Yes, so thanks for listening, and they sent us some nice love. They send us a nice little um, voicemail on the Peacock hotline, 662 Peacock. Uh, appreciate that. We also heard on Facebook uh, from Michael and Jason, and we had some uh, messages from our pal Heidi from uh, Iowa, did we not?
1: Yeah, and she asked a really interesting question about the movie. How in the show, Miss Bakewell is somewhat competent, right, as a secretary. Mm. You know, she's not as helpless as the one who filed everything under A. A letter, uh, a file of
0: complaints, a.
1: Right. <laughs> she she always takes notes for Mr. Grace. She's valid. Yes, Mr. Grace. We'll throw it away. <laughs> yeah. Um But in in the movie, Miss Nicholson is not as competent. Like they completely changed her character to be a little bit less so, you know, really struggling with the with the typewriter. So
0: I'm confused. So is Miss Bakewell played by the same it's the no, same or, actress, Penny Urban? But but
1: they just changed her name. They just changed the name completely.
0: Oh yeah. Hmm. I wonder if the reason maybe they changed the name is. I think I mentioned this to Heidi on Facebook. I said, well, maybe the writers were about to go home and have dinner, and they're like, <laughs> oh, I can't remember her name. Let's just call her Nicholson and go home and grab right. a pint.
1: Yeah. Sounds about par for the course for these writers. Yeah, you know, Continuity I mean, f- is not their strong suit.
0: Yeah, this, is, this really annoys Mr. Jeff. Me, I don't really notice most of it, so I'm okay. But it, it drives him off the wall.
1: We also got a message from our faithful superfan Jeff Y about some notes about the club. And as you'll hear when we publish the club, um, you know, we talked about a lot of those those uh, uh, observations already. So good eye on that, uh, Jeff Y. Uh, and so, while you are at it, everyone, please wear a mask and wash your hands. And remember, Black, Black Lives, lives matter. matter.
0: Hooray! So, Mister Jeff, what are we talking about this week here on the podcast?
1: So today, we are going to talk about Series Six, Episode Three. Do you take this man? Which, for the record, is my favorite "Are You Being Served?" episode of all time. Whoa. That's huge. I have a problem with superlatives. I have two favorite colors. I have two favorite meals. I have two favorite bands. And this is my one ultimate most favorite episode of all 70.
0: Well, it sounds like you're having trouble choosing favorites if you have two favorites of everything. Right.
1: Except, <laughs> except this. This is one of those few things where, nope, one stands out from the others as a clear leader. Oh, my leader. God. And so, um, and we're going to talk all about why.
0: I'm, I'm, I know he's just he's just chomping at the bit, ladies and gentlemen. He can't wait. Unanimous. Um, so let's take us back. So the 29th of November, 1978. What was yeah. going on back then?
1: So that week in the news, um, San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk were assassinated by uh, former Supervisor Dan White at City Hall, which was a major pivotal moment in the gay liberation movement
0: yeah as as it was was known at the time insane day um i tell you i used to live in san francisco for a bit and um that day that night and day uh, is definitely uh remembered you know it's a Mm. tragedy and of course everyone loves that fabulous movie uh, milk with sean penn and it was such a a, like a biopic i guess um but really delicately handled the whole thing and i think it really gave a lot of respect to that so so this does happen at the same
1: time that's crazy uh, this is quite a sensitive episode to some people, isn't it, Mr. Brandon?
0: It is, it is, Mr. Jeff. It is, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I was watching um, the episode on BritBox, and man, I would love for them to sponsor the show so much. Um, <laughs> BritBox is like five or six bucks a month. It's fantastic. It's like Netflix, but every British show and movie you could probably ever imagine they have every episode of already being served on it and already being served again or grace and favor. Um, when I was watching it today, um, I noticed at the very top where it says, you know, the name of the episode and, and kind of like a synopsis, it said, warning contains racist language. And it reminded me, oh, that's right. It's the episode when we had, um, Mr. Kato and lots of racist kind of jokes against Japanese people. Um, we have, you know, there's lots of racist jokes peppered in. I wouldn't say every episode, but a, a, a damn lot of them, I'd say. Um, and if, uh, this is one of them. So, um, so, you know.
1: so I I didn't catch that. You know, I, I watched it on Box as well, but I watched it on my iPad, mm. and yeah. it was a it was one of those things where. Um, it picked up at the last episode in the end credits and then skipped ahead. Oh, sure, yeah. So was it, was it a black frame by itself for five seconds and then the episode started? Or was it kind of like a bug in the corner with the 16 rating or whatever Yeah,
0: it was it a is? bug. So if I was okay. um, watching the show, I was on my TV. So I had the app within my TV, the we live in the future thing. Um, um, I hit pause and then I, on, I unpaused it like it would show the name of the show. On the screen, and that's where it would show it. So I thought uh, that's kind of okay. cool. And we have talked on the show, do we, for the future? And we're trying to be very uh, aware of, of the pasts, you know, misdeeds about depicting race and white superiority, whether they knew it or not. Black lives matter. Like, what do we do with these shows that? Like Gone with the Wind, like I watched it recently and I cringed the whole time, but some people love it, but there's a lot of racist stuff in there. So we had that discussion, like, what do you do with a beloved TV show, like the episode Roots, which we will cover one day when we get to it. Do we not watch it or do we talk about it and provide a lot of context and like explain how it is racist and give space to that? Well, what they did in, at, over at BritBox is they put a little disclaimer and said, you know, this show from 1978, it has racist language in it. So, I mean, obviously, you, you didn't notice it, and I was watching on a different program, a different me- vehicle. Um, but, you know, at least they're doing something at a Brit box, You know, that's
1: cool. We will definitely talk about those two words when the time comes. Yes, indeed. All right. So the show opens, and Mr. Harmon brings in not a center display unit, but some eyeglasses for Mr. Humphreys to choose from, since he's been getting some terrible headaches lately. Has anyone else's eyesight gone to complete shit in the pandemic, or is it just me?
0: All I do is look at a screen all day long and all night long, so my eyes are probably not the best.
1: So even very early on, like around April, I mean, uh, listeners, I wear glasses and or contacts. Eyes. Um eyes. I am nearsighted in one eye and farsighted in the other, Good so God. I have to have them on <laughs> all the time, Whoa. right? If I don't have my glasses on, things are just kind of blurry. Do you right? run into
0: things thinking they're far away at the same time?
1: <laughs> just with just with my left leg Yes exactly. no <laughs> uh, it's just that things are things are never crisp. If I don't have my glasses on, things are never crisp unless I'm like focusing on one side or the other right
0: jeez okay um
1: and so I've been f- noticing that when looking at my desktop monitor, or when looking at my phone, I'm not able to focus. It's still blurry. I've had to take my glasses off sometimes in order to be able just to focus. And I went to the eye doctor for an annual appointment in the summer. And he's like, yep, this is also you getting older. Thanks a lot, doc. <laughs> uh, and also just being at a screen all day that's not set up ergonomically, right? Mm, at yeah. your office, you're at an office size desk with an office size chair at office size height that's made to be ergonomically correct for optimal viewing. Right. And whatever your setup is at home is not, right? So anyway, Mr. Humphreys is trying on some very Elton John-style glasses. You know, at one point, uh, Mr. Lucas even makes a veiled reference to that because Mr. Humphreys asks, are they in harmony with my personality? Well, they would be if you had an electric organ to go with them.
0: And if that's the second time, they've kind of made an Elton John-esque joke. Reference. Reference right. to to El- to, uh, to uh, Mr. Humphreys. Um, you know, what a pity Mr. Harmon couldn't just wheel into your apartment there, Jeff, and say, oh, we've got all those glasses for you. That would have been very handy I know. for you.
1: That would be very handy. Um, Warby Parker, if you're listening, I think you need to get um, Mr. Beverly Harmon from <laughs> East London – to be your new delivery person because that sales would go up immediately. Can
0: you imagine if like Warby Parker? Okay, Warby Parker. If you're out there, if anyone works there and they love our evening served, can you please come out with like a Mrs. Slocum range of glasses? Ooh. I mean, wouldn't they be fabulous? They had like that uh, that cat eye kind of thing, or maybe the Mr. Humphrey's collection. We're already trying these poor people at Humphrey Slocum. <laughs> uh, do you think that they've gotten like bags? Of, like, remember that movie, um, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, when the, the mail He's brings in like, and all the sacks? sacks, of sacks. Of mail. Are they bringing sacks and sacks of, of handwritten letters from all of our unanimous? We demand you make uh, rainbow sherbet flavored uh, uh, sorbet for our favorite podcast.
1: <laughs> we apologize,
0: Humphrey Slocum, but we still think like <laughs> you're really cool.
1: Um, <laughs> Over on the women's counter, Mrs. Slocum is trying to sell a camisole and a pair of pantaloons to a gentleman for his wife. And he's like, well, are they in fashion right now? And she goes, uh-huh. And she lifts up her skirt to just reveal above her knee that she's wearing the pantaloons. Yeah. And that puts him off. He's like, nope, I made up my mind and run away. It's so away.
0: cute, though. I I love the way that she does this cute little coy kind of, right. I have a little secret. Look at this. And she kind of like beckons him over. And I love the, the fact that he has, like, that horrible 70s leather trench coat thing with the lapels that are uh-huh. like somehow too flat. Ugh. I remember looking at, um, like, all the Goodwill shops in the 90s when I was a kid looking at vintage clothing and they were all over the place because no one liked those. Gross.
1: Mrs. Slocum then turns to gossiping with Miss Brahms about her new boyfriend, Mr. Metaxas. Uh, they met at a Greek restaurant where he sent a note over saying he'd like to give her an ouzo.
0: What's in front of everybody?
1: <laughs> For those of you playing along at home, ouzo is an anise aperitif. Uh, very similar to sambuca from Italy or racca from Turkey or pasty from France.
0: I went to school with all of those girls. How are they doing? <laughs> it's
1: been a while. Apparently drunk at a Greek restaurant. That's <laughs> and smelling
0: do. like licorice.
1: Right, uh, Mister <laughs> Mister Metaxas is apparently very well known at that restaurant because of his bazooki. Ooh, <laughs> and, what's that? Uh, Mrs. Silcum describes it as a Greek banjo, and this is where I'm going to put on my stickler for accuracy and continuity. Here we go. But it's it's technically not a type of banjo, but it belongs to a family of stringed instruments called the lute. Okay, L-E-T-A. I'm picturing Robin
0: Hood. Right. And
2: he's a fox
0: <laughs> and there's a big bear and he's playing like a little guitar-y thing that looks like a gourd and that's a lute right
1: that's well, that's exactly what it's called, right so the the lute family of string instruments contains uh, mandolins, guitars and violins and so they're all they all have a deep hollow cavity that is called a gourd or it's also called a bout oh. with an opening in the covering. Right? So you, you picture a guitar, it's got that hole in the middle yeah, yeah. where the strings go mm-hmm. over. So do violins, so do, violin, so do mandolins, so do bouzoukies. But a banjo has a cloth mem- a cloth membrane covering the cavity with no hole.
0: This reminds me, I need to finish watching that Dolly Parton documentary on Netflix, but go on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a bazookie is technically not a type of banjo, although it is similar in shape. Mm. I'll give her that, right? Similar in shape and size. Um, and so when Mr. Metaxas was done playing his bazooki, we all threw plates. Um, because that is a well-known tradition in Greek culture to show, express joy. And the reason they do that is uh, is called conspicuous consumption. Right. We're having so much fun and we're so – not necessarily well off, but we're doing well enough that we can afford to break these plates. Right. Hmm. Nowadays, nowadays, they make special plates out of plaster, plaster of Paris that are for breaking in Greek restaurants and Greek weddings and things like that. I've got a good one.
0: What would be another modern alter- – like the modern iteration of Greeks throwing plates to show that they can do it? I'm amazed at what people like when they always have a new iPhone – or something, and like a new iPhone is like fifteen hundred bucks or something, and they'll like yeah,
1: but like that's that, that's not something you would necessarily do to celebrate. You not necessarily, you know, oh, if it you has think to be about celebratory, okay, right. If you think about uh, like cartoons, like Scrooge McDuck will light his cigar with a hundred dollar bill <laughs> kind of thing. I think the thing that the thing that this reminded me of is is was there any connection to when a Jewish groom or a Jewish spouse um, breaks the glass after getting pronounced married. You know, there's mm. that tradition where they, they have the glass, they cover it cloth and they break it. I've never it. understood that, that, so
0: this will be good to know, yeah.
1: So that that's nothing related to that at all. It's because um, in Jewish culture, you want to temper joy. You always want to remind yourselves that This joy is temporary, it's not long-lasting, there's suffering in this world, Hmm. and our people, you know, the Jewish people have suffered. Yeah. So uh, that's why that's related. And there are some rabbis that um, require that there's not cheering after the glass is broken. Oh,
0: interesting. Because
1: it's not supposed to be a joyous thing, it's supposed to be there to... To, to temper and moderate the joy.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because when you get married, the very last thing is you you stomp on the, the glass, it breaks, and then everyone yells right. Mazel Tov, and they clap. Right. Interesting.
1: Huh. We're going to have another comparison to Jewish culture at the very end of this episode um, that has nothing to do with the two offensive words. And happy Hanukkah, so, for the for the record. Right. It's, uh, what, the sixth
0: night of Hanukkah?
1: When we're recording? Seishkandalikas. Um... Is it? Is it the 6th? It's maybe is the 6th. We should know. It's th- the 5th the or the 6th. I don't know. I'll have to go check my neighborhood menorah.
0: Check There we go.
1: Yeah. Um, so Mr. Metaxas proposed last night. Uh, and it was supposed to be a secret that Mrs. Slocum confided in Ms. Bromson. But she said it out. He popped the question! <laughs> and so everyone hears. And Captain Peacock calls the gentleman of over course. and shares the news. Right? Um, eventually Mr. Rumbold gets wind of it. May I be the first to congratulate you? You're actually the last. Um, <laughs> and he reminds Mrs. Silcum that her trousseau, her wedding dress, furnishings for the house, bathroom fittings, carpets, hardware, and one day Prams and Layette are all available at Grace Brothers with a staff discount. So so how, how good to know you got a one-stop shop. So
0: I know what a Layette is, which is basically like all the stuff you need for a baby, like all the stuff right. in general. But I yeah. thought Trudeau was the prime minister of Canada.
1: Um, yeah, so what is a um
0: trousseau? What is that?
1: I feel I feel like we talked about a trousseau already when someone else was getting married. did we? Was there another has, has there been another proposal or another almost marriage here? A trousseau is all the things a bride needs for her wedding. Oh, so you her did dress, mention her veil, like the borrowed thing, her the blue. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. I don't know which episode that was. Yeah. Who else, who else would have gotten married? Well, there was the episode where um, Carl Schulten and Captain Peacock in the car park with Stephanie, and she was going to get married and called off the wedding.
1: Oh, maybe. Maybe that was it. Our mm-hmm. notes say that we mentioned that word in A Change is as Good as a Rest," which is when they were in the toy department.
0: Oh, with Betty, um, the 25-pound...
1: Oh, the, the, the bride and the and groom. And she comes with a the trousseau. The, the expensive very dolls. nicely right done. There you very go. Good. That's Those what it coming yep. So, down in the canteen, Miss Brahms let them know that Mrs. silkham is worried about the cost of the wedding since it's the bride family that pays, but she's the only one left. Or so we think.
0: Because mm. mm. we hear
1: about a long-lost relative coming up soon, how right?
0: All, how ve- very deus ex machina? <laughs>
1: um, almost. they're only a
0: bone at the holidays.
1: <laughs> so uh they're talking about you know the all of the members of a full wedding party and uh who who's going to give mrs Silcum away and who's going to be the page boy um <laughs> here in the states we have the ring it's called the ring bearer yep. uh and it turns out that mr humphreys was a page boy once not in a real wedding but in a basement production of 12th night over at dairy and tom's so apparently he worked there as well but i guess didn't cross over with um Mrs. Slocum, who worked there and went to the social club once. Right,
0: right. Um, Is this the scene where he wears, like, silver buckles and a little uh, velveteen trousers and a cute little outfit? On a
1: fauntleroy Bob. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and and someone says, how old were you? You must have been so cute. He says, 31. (laughs) 31.
1: (laughs) So he was dressed as a page boy, but he played viola in Twelfth Night. And I mean, I I get, you know, the the whole point of Twelfth Night is that Viola dresses up as her twin brother, Sebastian. Uh, You know, modern take, the modern adaptation of that is the Amanda Bynes movie, She's the Man, where she dresses up as a a boy in order to get on the soccer team or something like that.
0: I don't even know Twelfth Night, so you might have to rewind that a little bit. Yeah. So is that like a a Shakespeare thing or something?
1: Yeah. It's, I was going to say, it was uh, written by this guy named Bill. Oh, that's why uh, I don't know it, because it's, <laughs> it's
0: fancy.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, it's been a long time since my high school English classes is remembering the plots. And the way I make connections to Shakespeare is through its modern adaptations. You know, uh, The Taming of the Shrew. Oh, right, that's Ten Things I Hate About You, starring Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. Okay, well, and, hey, if it's got
0: Heath Ledger in it, that can't be bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, Mrs. Slocum asks Captain Peacock to give her away. And so he takes Mr. Rumble to ask young Mr. Grace if they can have the reception in the boardroom. How terribly
0: boring. Depressing.
1: <laughs> right. Would that be to have it in that god awful boardroom? I mean, now that it's been redecorated in that Art Deco manner, it's, you know, it's probably better, but but it, it, it gets better. It gets better, folks. So they can't have the boardroom on the 30th because Mr. Grace is giving a tea party for distressed nightclub hostesses.
0: <laughs> His charity work. His charity work, <laughs> um,
1: which is hysterical in itself. Um, they're using the word distressed here to mean un- unemployed. So young Mr. Grace decides that um, he can have them. He can, they can have the wedding in the department instead as long as Grace Brothers does the catering, so that's even worse than the boardroom.
0: <laughs> that's like a deterrent, actually,
1: because you're getting married among like all of these rails and racks of like simulated fur coats and wife rugs.
0: Well, it's the one stage they had. Basically, it was a lot. Yeah, it I was guess. again probably a lot fucking easier to do. We'll just have it on the floor. That's fine. We don't have to do a whole new set. Speaking of. Uh, catering. I I understand you have a sneak peek to uh, what the Grace Brothers Canteen can do for a planned event, don't you, Mr. Jeff?
1: So so the standard menu that they offer is smoked salmon, breast of chicken and asparagus tips, petit four and champagne, all for six quid ahead. Which is quite reasonable, even when you allow for inflation in today. That's what you'd have, you know, a per plate charge at a catering hall, or even a, a, a decent restaurant.
0: So as we talked about before, six pounds in 1978 converted to 2020 and put into the USD, U- United States dollar. What would that be? Would that be about 30 bucks? For
1: so, some? all right, so let's so let's think about it. I just this. sprung so,
0: this on him, folks.
1: Six pounds then is about...
0: He's using his fingers. Six
1: uh, it's about thirty pounds today, which is about forty dollars.
0: Damn, it's expensive to have a wedding. Forty bucks a head. Yeah,
1: but but I mean that's if you go out to like a decent restaurant that's not like a casual Applebee's or Chili's, you're spending forty dollars a head on on a starter, a main, dessert, and drinks. No, that's true. No, you're right. Right.
0: And so, you know, for the record, a- Applebee's doesn't have to be so casual. I put socks on underneath my sandals when I go to Applebee's. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> um, I, I, w- I will admit that I did, I just ran out to the market um, before uh, podcasting because we are expecting a major snowstorm here in the uh, New York City area. And so I had to get a few last minute things, and I definitely wore socks and Crocs to run out to the store Shameful. around the corner for my house. Anyway, so uh, Mrs. Silcum can't afford six bob ahead, uh, six quid ahead because uh, she still thinks she's got to pay for it herself. So they're having Japanese tin champagne. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, yes. Uh, and remember, everyone, if it's not from the tin region in Japan, it's just sparkling sparkly. wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a few dead things in jelly, some aspect. And that's apparently much more affordable.
2: Um,
1: yeah. So in the next scene, we see that Miss Chumphries is altering uh, Mrs. Silkum's wedding dress, which has this comically long train, <laughs> which I feel is a trope that happens in any kind of wedding uh, that you'll get. Where the, if you've got a show that relies on sight gags and physical comedy, if there's a wedding, there's going to be a long. Like are being served? Yes, indeed. Exactly, like are being served, right? Um, her dress doesn't zip up in the back, so they, like, push her over the counter, tell her take a deep breath in and then out, and they finally get it closed, except it opens in the front. So I noticed something
0: very interesting, and I was curious if you would bring it up. Um, Her
1: corsets? (laughs) No. Were you interested in her corsets?
0: (laughs) Never in my life. Um, but I think they did a bit of editing.
1: Did you notice that? Oh. Oh, absolutely, yeah. because they had to unzip it in the, in right. the front. Right, and if you yeah.
0: notice, like, it was this weird little flash or something, and I was like, how are they, because whenever they do these things, because there was no CGI, there was no, like, blue screen or anything back then, it, what it, what you saw on screen is what actually happened, um, and I was curious, like, how are they going to, is there, like, a special zipper with a with a, a, a cord that's, like, fish through her dress that she's... In, right. Secretly pulling or something, but I think what they did is they stopped the, the camera or they just filmed it and spliced it right. together. Uh, and then another scene when uh, Mister or when the Archbishop, <laughs> the Greek priest or whatever, you get to see the um, the audio microphone on a little the boom, the mic. boom yeah. mic in the in the camera. I love when you see little bits like that because it's so like hodgepodge. Is that the word? Like just pieced together and. It's not. It's so much less slick than a TV show would be yeah. these days. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's cool. But it, it adds to the charm. Yeah.
0: Right?
1: Um. So, we Mrs. Slocum lets everyone know that she invited her well-off uncle from America to the wedding. Yeah, you know, as you do because you just send invitations to everyone to notify them to, that to, to bring
0: bring me things. Yeah.
1: To to bring in the presents, yeah. and it turns out he's coming to the wedding. And he's giving them a house.
0: Not only a house. House. I love how she like, can t- can t- joins A and house. House.
1: House. <laughs> um, I, wonder, I wonder where they're going to live because Mr. Metaxas currently lives in Wimbledon, we found out, Uh-oh. in South London. Yeah. Which would have been terrible for her commute to the... Um, uh, to the uh, to the, the store. The corner of right? what
0: street? Was it Limley Street? Thayer Street. Thayer street. That's right, because in um, right? the club... No, was it the club or by appointment we realized? It was by appointment, the episode appointment, we realized... Yeah. Oh, Mr., Mr. Jeff triangulated and did some trigonometry and figured out exactly where Grace Brothers was. Thayer Street.
1: Yeah. I mean, she would have to take... She'd be at the very end of the district line, <gasps> and so she'd have to take the district line to like uh not to pat not all the way up to paddington but um somewhere around like in, in kensington and then transfer for the circle line up to baker street that's that's quite a haul well
0: if she's wearing a lot of perfume perhaps it would reach the terrace on a, a, a penthouse apartment in kensington somewhere
1: <laughs>
0: thank you there you go thank
1: you um while while the staff are setting up for the wedding, why don't we all head on down to the canteen for a tea break?
0: Since you said petty fours and champagne, I just want some <laughs> chompers and uh, little bits of uh, marzipan. So we'll be right back after quipon on nip down to the canteen. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous?
1: Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag. Or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington Bear.
0: We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup.
1: And of course, T-shirts.
0: But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear.
1: Support your favorite podcast with some That Does It Madam merch.
0: All at I'mFree.Threadless.com
1: I'mFree.Threadless.com and, and you've, you've all done, done very
0: well.
1: well. So,
0: Brandon, how are the canteen pettifores? You know, um, I decided to eschew the pettifores and have some fairy cakes, as I am uh, want to do at times. How about you?
1: Well, on my RSVP card, I had put that I wanted the chicken franchise, mm-hmm. but they ended up giving me the salmon. I'm like, ew. So I ended up just going for the the salad and um, bad bread instead.
0: That's depressing, but typical (laughs) of the canteen.
1: Typical Uh, of the canteen.
0: So, why don't we try, do a a very favorite segment of everyone out there in the unanimous land. A segment sometimes we skip, sometimes we don't. And that segment is called I I Am Unanimous Unanimous in this. This! Hooray! And this episode is about
1: Christmas time is here. Oh, do it Do it in the uh, Charlie Brown voice.
0: Oh, I can't do it. What, like the teacher?
1: Uh, wow, wow. No, no, from, from, the, from the special where it's uh, the children falsetto, but it's very like, it's supposed to be happy, but it sounds mournful. Oh, because of all Christmas the... Christmas time is here. Yeah. It's very depressing. Anyway, so we've already talked at length about Christmas on the Christmas crackers episode, right? We talked about wearing the crowns and the and the sugar mouse and all of that, but mm-hmm. we're not quite done, right? There's some other couple of things uh, about Christmas that we just want to tease out there. Just to let everyone know uh, about some different things that happen in the UK that don't necessarily happen here in the States. And also just a little moment in our little,
0: our, our day and our podcast, our little love that we send to all the unanimous ears in the world to say you know 2020 has kind of been a fucking sucky year i think i can say Mm -hmm. um so it's nice that it's a holiday season and you might not be with your family or your loved ones because you're being safe and wearing your mask and quarantining um but hey you know uh, it's good to wish people well and i think that's kind of what we wanted to do here and it's hanukkah right now hanukkah's around the corner Uh, whether you celebrate religiously or just uh, culturally, who knows. But um, it's nice to kind of take a moment out and say thank you to everybody uh, for listening to our show. And it's been a lot of fun. And we've gone just past halfway point uh, with all the episodes.
1: Yeah. So thank you very much, listeners. We're very grateful for you this holiday season. And we all wish you a very happy holiday season. And a much happier 2021.
0: And we're not going to sing the holly mistletoe big fir tree song. We'll probably do that no. ne- maybe next year, but we're not going to burst into song, don't worry.
1: So, before we get into more Christmas, I do want to share uh, a bright light that uh, we can look forward to in 2021. Uh, you know, very recently they've started rolling out the vaccine in the US and in Canada Yay. and in the UK. But I think that the the other I think the more important thing that I've noticed that I think is even a brighter light is that I saw Lysol aerosol spray in two different stores this past weekend.
0: That is a Christmas miracle, I think.
1: It it, uh, it has not been on the shelf at all since March.
0: And, and I so, want to just say one of the coolest things that's happened recently for me is fucking Biden Harris winning the presidential electoral college go. today? So that's there a good. There you thing.
1: go. So Christmas time in the UK, um, you know, their there's, 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 their schedule for celebration is a little different, right? So they generally all the pubs are open on Christmas, maybe not this year because they're right. in you know London's in tier three lockdown right now. But you know, people will go out to the pub. Around 11 a.m. or so.
0: On Christmas Day? And
1: have, on Christmas Day, huh. and have a pint or so, and then come back and have the big lunch, the big roast around 2 or 3.
0: Well, and that's, that's sort of ve- like
1: very unheard of for us.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about living in a small little village or even a small neighborhood in London, which is like a giant, you know, metro area. The pub is sort of like your living room, right? I mean, that's what it's been described yeah. to me, where you don't really have people over because everyone's home is kind of small and blah, blah, blah. It's just culturally, I don't know, more acceptable or whatever. Just to have a pint down at the pub, which is kind of everyone's communal living room, which yeah. I think sounds terribly charming. Um, if you're British and we're completely you know, screwing up your culture, let us know. But I don't think we are. I think we've heard... I've heard that myself a lot from people that... You know, you go down to the pub because that's where people are are comfortable. Yeah. So. In
1: in the States, we go down the shore. In the UK, you go down the pub. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then one of the other things that is very prominent during Christmas lunch is um, a Christmas pud. Delicious. Delicious and right now superfan lori is going to share with us her recipe for esteemed christmas pudding.
0: yes and don't worry we're not going to have mr mr mash come up with pure green alcohol that is and pour it on
1: <laughs> and just sort
0: of, but um no superfan lori um is gracious enough to give us her special recipe for her own version of flaming pudding which she makes every year Um, she's in California. She's not British at all, but she she loves the culture, loves the show, and loves the podcast. So thank you, Lori. And here she is with her special recipe for Flaming Christmas Pudding. Take it away, Lori.
2: Hello to my fellow unanimous out there. This is Lori. I am a pastry chef, and one of my hobbies is to recreate foods from historical recipes. So naturally, this time of year, I am doing Christmas pudding, also known as figgy pudding or plum pudding. This most iconic of British holiday foods is not actually a pudding like Americans might think of it. It is not a dish of creamy goodness that you eat with a spoon. It is, in fact, a steamed cake. The history of the Christmas pudding goes back to the Middle Ages when it was just a porridge of fruits and nuts. The Christmas pudding that we think of these days came about in Victorian times when the mixture was made into a sphere. And this is the version of the Christmas pudding that we see in cartoons and drawings these days. Nowadays, instead of wrapping it in a cloth and boiling it, we still... Steam the mixture in either a mold or a bowl called a pudding basin, and that's how I make it. The key ingredients that go into a Christmas pudding are suet, raisins, candied fruit peel, an egg, cinnamon, cloves, and nutmeg, some kind of sweetener like sugar, honey, or a British product called golden syrup, some breadcrumbs, and some kind of alcohol like brandy or Guinness or um, rum. This year I used Kentucky bourbon. So this all gets packed into the pudding basin. I, you put a cover over it like foil and then you put it in a pot and steam it for about four hours. Once it's cooled a little bit, you add a little more booze and you put it in a cupboard somewhere to let it age until Christmas. So there's some traditions that go with pudding like this. One is called stir up Sunday, and that's the day you start your pudding. And that is the first Sunday before Advent starts. This is where you put all the ingredients together and your family and friends gather together and they each give the bowl a good stir for luck for the coming year. And the other thing that um, they used to do, maybe some people still do it, is they put small tokens into the pudding itself for people to find as they eat it. And then each of these tokens symbolize what's coming for you in the new year. They might put a coin in it. And if you get the coin while you're eating it, then you have riches coming to you. Or there might be a ring in there. You might be getting married next year. And so that is the story of Christmas pudding. I wish everybody out there a happy Christmas. And uh, I think you've all done very well. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Lori. Sounds delicious.
1: Can't wait to try that myself. Yummy. I have
0: some extra brandy for me, will you? Thanks, Lori. Yeah.
1: So getting back to the show, uh, the staff are setting up for the wedding. They're, you know, putting tablecloths on and dressing everything up. And everyone is dressed up to the nines, right? Mr. Mr. Alfrese and Mr. Lucas come out of the lift singing Top Hat, White Tie and Tails by Fred Astaire. And for once, it's not Lucas who looks a fool in the costume. It's Mr. Tebbs, whose costume is too short for him. It's true. And by the way,
0: Top Hat, White Tie, and Tails, they kind of start singing that. They sing that song a lot in the show, don't
1: they? Every, ti- every time they have to wear a morning jacket or a tuxedo, yeah. It's so
0: cute. And then when um, Mr. Tebbs, uh, James Hader, comes out in that funny outfit... Now that I know that the Mr. Kipling people (laughs) um, paid him three times his salary to quit the show because they were ruining – he was ruining their their brand, I'm kind of looking at his portrayal on the TV show very differently. And I think this episode when he comes out looking like a fool, like you say, wearing a morning suit that is really too big and then he shows up wearing like a Greek outfit and he starts saying Euripides and – craziness. I can kind of see where, like, if I considered my cake company, like, I don't think they're by appointment to the queen, but they're kind of fancy, you know? So I kind of see their point a little bit with Mr. Debson. No, I
1: totally get it as well, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Miss Brahms has been helping, as, you know, Maid of Honor has been helping um, Mrs. Slocum get ready and says, oh, it's a beautiful frock. It makes her look 16. Uh, and we get a quintessential line from Captain Peacock.
0: A remarkable garment indeed. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the best quote. I say that all the time to my friend Jimmy.
1: And so they're still getting set up uh, when Mr. Tamiades comes in. And we heard earlier that Mr. Tamiades is Mr. Metaxas' friend from the restaurant mm-hmm. because, you know, she, she Mrs. Silcom calls. And so um, he is played by Gordon Kay. Who is best known for playing Renee in LOLO.
0: And he has been in a lot of stuff. That guy, Gordon Kay. He
1: has been in a lot, in, of stuff. including the, a lot
0: of characters in "Are You Being Served." He was the director in the cl- no, um, the episode where they make a commercial.
1: I think. So he was. In, so he was in Mrs. Slickham Senior Person, the one where she takes over from Mr. Rumbold and eats the poison meringues. Oh yeah. Okay. But he was also in an episode called Closed Circuit. And the plot of that episode is where the nurse does a voiceover for a commercial that that Miss Brahms accent because she's got her Cockney accent and her voice is not suitable. And um, some wealthy guy falls in love with her and wants to take her on a date. So they have to do a ruse. They have to do a little bit of a Cyrano de Bergerac thing where the nurse is speaking for her.
0: Okay.
1: I I have zero recollection of this episode whatsoever. I don't, now that you're
0: saying that, I don't either. I don't know. It's, I mean, it, when you say that, it does sound familiar, but there's just so much content. It's, it all kind of jumbles up in my brain. But, you know, yeah. Gordon Kay with that show, Alo, Alo, Um I don't know how popular that is. I actually bet the people over, the, the guys over at the sitcom club could wax eloquent for days about aloello Um But was that a David Croft and Jeremy Lloyd show as well?
1: Um, I don't I don't know if it is either. But Gordon Kay, like, I don't. We're terrible, terrible podcasters <laughs> for not knowing that. I,
0: I don't know if he's still around, Gordon Kay, but, you know, if he was. was. Watch...
1: It was a Crofton Lloyd It Church. was.
0: Okay. I kind of thought it was. It was an interesting show where they. Um, it's sort of like a war torn Parisian neighborhood or maybe like a French mm-hmm. little town. They have the the Germans come in, the Nazis. And um, The Resistance. And it's kind of funny, but it's also during Nazi-occupied France, which is kind of weird. But um, yeah, so he was a cool guy. and uh, He was in a couple
1: yeah. of other Lloyd and Croft mm. shows as well. He was in It Ain't Half Hot Mom. Okay. Um, he was also in "Comeback Mrs. Noah, which starred um, Molly, Molly Suxton. Oh, yeah. Okay. He was in Emmerdale, which is a long-running serial. Um, it's... Would you say that it's number three behind Corey and EastEnders, or of, whatever?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, it's like the young person soap opera. Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah, not quite as young as Hollyoaks, but that's like fourteen younger.
0: years old. Yeah, right? it's they they start them young. Well, the UK. not
1: not anymore. They've got some really mature topics on Hollyoaks these days. But but you're, you're right. It's a different it's younger. Different podcast. Um, and he was also on Till Death Do Us Part, which was the original. Uh, British sitcom that um, inspired All in the Family.
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah. A little crossover action there. It's cool.
1: So, uh, Captain Peacock says, oh, the store is closed. He's like, oh, oh, I, I know. Uh, I am Mr. Shadok, Chodot- Oh, uh, I'm Captain Peacock. And he salutes Captain Peacock. <laughs> and I think this is so brilliant because he's probably the only character in the entire series to take Captain Peacock's army position seriously.
0: <laughs> that he the, salutes him. It's such a cute little way he does it And he, it's, it's so adorable It's the
1: slightest aside That he's just like oh, Touches his fingers to his head And like I know It's, it, just, it's, it's amazing I,
0: I really don't know much about Gordon Kay But I really like him And he seems like a nice guy And just that little salute Where he kind of like looks down a little bit And salutes kind of as an aside There's so much behind that when he does it I like that a lot Yeah
1: I do, too. <laughs> it's very reminiscent of, um, oh, he's ginger, isn't he? Where Mr. Humphreys' elbow slips off the table. It's just the slightest motion that packs such a punch. Yes, exactly. You know? Um, so, unfortunately, Mr. Tomiades has bad news. It seems that Mr. Metaxas is on this aeroplane uh, <laughs> because someone from his family objects to the wedding, his wife. <laughs> oh. All right. So... He's left, Mrs. Um, Mrs. and the bazooki as a remembrance and his parting words are, it was the Uzo that proposed. And now the bottle is empty.
0: Yeah. I, it's a cute line, but the way he said it, and then he just sort of walked away. I thought right. of that little, it felt a bit flat, you know, the way it played on the stage.
1: Well, that's not the thing that's going to give empathy, right? That's not what the, what the audience is going to awe over, even though the, they don't awe here hear the soundtrack. Um, Whenever when Mrs. Slocum doesn't know, and everyone else realizes, and they all start to cry and run away because every single one of them cries. And I love
0: how Molly Sugden, you know, I think she's a pretty woman, uh, yep. but on the show, like she's kind of joked about being ugly and fat and all this, but she actually right. is very beautiful. And um, when you see her walk out in the the wedding dress, at first, it's making fun of her weight, haha, because she's not like nine. She stone. can't fit into the
1: dress. Yeah, right.
0: but then she comes out and. The, the dress has been fixed, and she comes out with a veil, and her, she's it's a beautiful nineteen.
1: She's a beautiful, bra. very
0: very nineteen seventies dress, which I think is fabulous. Um, with a you know, what, orange hair and like yellow flowers, looking very nice and looking you know beautiful. And, uh, and there's the
1: the tiniest gasp of approval from the um, audience. I know. And of course, you
0: know, they're so trained when people come out to start laughing. Sometimes, in fact, a couple of times on this episode, people in the epi- in the audience will just start bursting out laughing. Like at one point, Mr. Rumbold comes out wearing his, his morning suit and someone just started laughing <laughs> in the audience. Right. And it was probably because they're just trained to. But when she comes out, no one laughs because they know that she's... And stood up and it's so sad I just can't take it anymore
1: <laughs> hers was such a frail tender love <laughs> right? Yes. so Captain Peacock takes her into the fitting room to explain a few things to her and then yeah. we hear the explicit language mm-hmm. that Dago bastard that's the last time I go out with a walk all right, so let's unpack this. Yeah,
0: because I think when I was a kid, I was like I don't even know what they're saying, I, you know. I had to look it up this time even too.
1: I I grew up in Brooklyn, so I was very familiar with those two words, right? Oh, I see. So so Diego is a bastardization of the name Diego, which is Spanish for James. Uh, it's referred to uh, it's used to refer to anyone of Mediterranean descent, usually Spanish, Italian, Greek, uh in the u s it's strictly an italian slur okay right?
0: so this is this is like a racial cultural slur we we're, we're talking about
1: it it's the Mediterranean version of um limey of what the, the british limey the British slur
0: I don't even know what that one is, but maybe you shouldn't teach me yeah. more slurs <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah um, and then the other one is an abbreviation of Gollywog, which is a reference to an 1895 Florence Upton book uh, where one of the main characters was a doll that wore blackface. I, I have no recollection of this book whatsoever. Okay. It was not part of my education, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And so this slur refers to any darker skinned person, like an olive skinned person. Um, so such so people from the Mediterranean or North Africa or even Indians, people from the the subcontinent, and so she hits them with both of those um, slurs, mm. you know. And, and as we've talked about in in previous episodes, there there are two very different instances when when people are using slurs on this show and I think in real life. Okay, there's. There's one where you're casually referencing someone and you're trying to other them. You know, if we think about the German week episode or any time that they referred to a German person as Jerry. Jerry. In the movie, in the episodes, yeah. Right. You know, that that's it's it's an othering, it's making a distinction, it's harboring some kind of preconceived notion.
0: It's us against them.
1: Exactly. Right. And there's there's the ones that are out of anger. Right? Where you're it's also an othering, but it's the emotion is much more visceral yep. because it's immediate, and the subtext here is that Mr. Metaxas is cheating because that's what fill in the blank other ethnicities do, and so she's yeah. pulling out these these slurs out of out of her 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 book out of her toolbox uh, to express the disappointment and anger in what she perceives as, as acceptable in their culture and not acceptable Yeah, and
0: in just hers. stereotyping everyone who happens to be essentially not lily white or cauca or or english right. background, let's say, cuz you know, you right. could be from South America or India or, or anywhere in Africa. Well, or, I
1: mean, let us face it. They they make fun of the Welsh and the Scottish in <laughs> the show too. So <laughs> no, no, it's, it's true. Yeah. Unless you're english you know, light skinned so,
0: English, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and so this is, this certainly doesn't, you know, our, our discussion here is not to excuse uh, the use of the slur, and it wouldn't be acceptable on television today, and it's certainly not acceptable in real life. Yep. Yeah. But again, it's, you know, one of the things that we try and do here is just explore. What these words mean yep. and why the characters are using them, and why it got a laugh.
0: And I, I think that you know, we, as we've said before, we have talked about this topic, and we will continue to in the show as we keep going on. Um, I like that BritBox said, hey, you know, hey guys, there's going to be a little bit of racial um, yeah. language here, FYI. So I, I, I applaud them. Good, good job, BritBox.
1: Yeah. So. The next sound we hear is Mrs. Slocum destroying the bazooki in the fitting room, um, and good job to the foley artist for doing that because it actually sounds like a guitar being mangled. So, but not um, a banjo, a loop. but not a banjo. Yes. Um, so up in Mr. Rumble's office, everyone is trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Like obviously, the wedding's off, but um, Mr. Rumble signed the chit. For authorizing the reception, which costs 150 pounds. So today that would be 750 pounds or a thousand dollars, which is a lot of money to to have to fork out. But having an entire wedding,
0: it's enough to like fraudulently con an American uncle out of a house.
1: Right. (laughs) But um, a thousand dollars for an entire wedding, that's a bargain.
0: No, nah, it's true. It is isn't a yeah. store, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <sighs> Not only do that, but as you said, we know that Mrs. Slocum's uncle is going to pay for the house and she wants to keep the house. So they've got to figure out some kind of scheme to get this to happen. Mm. So they want to see if someone from the band will play the groom and the best man and fake a wedding, and they'll get Mr. Tebbs to play the Greek Orthodox priest. I have no cognizance of the tongue. <laughs> So we find out that Mr. Harmon sent away all of the Greek guests from Mr. Metaxas' side to a Chinese restaurant in Palmer's Green.
0: No, I didn't get Uh, what that meant, and I'm sure it means something.
1: Yeah, so it's a Greek neighborhood in the borough of Enfield in North London, Um, uh, Zone Four, the Piccadilly line. So if you think, yeah, so it's up there, but you know, it's far enough away that they're not going to turn around and come back and. Uh, um see the false wedding in so progress? they
0: can get 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 um through yeah. with it, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: But but the joke is Palmer's Green because it's Greek. It's it's known as being a Greek uh, specifically a Greek Cypriot neighborhood.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So from, from Cyprus, yeah. not from mainland Greece, right? Um we find out that Mrs. Slocum is coping by drinking three large brandies. <laughs> so we know we're gonna get a little bit of Mrs. Slocum playing drunk. Drunk Mrs. Slocum scene, which is nice. makes me happy. And then Mr. Tebbs enters wearing the priest costume. <laughs> so this looked a lot better than I remembered it in my head. Yeah, it like it? It, it? it looked pretty legitimate. I always remember it looking very much like Carol Burnett in the Went with the Wind sketch. You know, I saw it in the window and just couldn't resist. Have we but talked about that sketch looks, before?
0: I think we have.
1: We, I th- we have. We have, Mr. Brandon. Oh, we, we have, have We indeed. have, indeed. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, Mr. – um, um, So he comes out. He's introduced as the Archbishop of Halitosis.
0: <laughs> which is what, like gum disease or something?
1: It's bad breath. Bad it's breath. the medical term for bad <laughs> breath,
0: right? And I love that they were kidding him out in the the novelty fabrics department. Or They always right. make up some crazy department. And he comes out, and I, I, I was like you. I thought it would look like a bunch of curtains and craziness. Right. But, I mean, clearly, I think that probably really was um a religious garb outfit for from some church or something.
1: Yeah, it might not be authentic Greek. It yeah, could yeah, very yeah. well be like Roman Catholic, but <laughs> it's you know, they definitely pulled it from like the religious section out of like the costume shop, Totally. Right? Um Mr. Lucas comes in wearing the best man costume which is traditional Greek garb. Uh, the Greek bland wouldn't play along. They wouldn't find anyone who would pretend to be the groom and the best man, but for 10 pounds they agreed to pay, play music and also to lend them some outfits <laughs> because, <laughs> Very nice. because of course, they had spare outfits. I mean, I certainly in would in, if in, I was a Greek band right. member. And we find out that Mr. Humphries is going to play the groom,
0: which is a, a, so, t-
1: a part unlike. What
0: did he say? Like, uh, I'm I'm playing against part is what he said.
1: Playing against part, right? <laughs> um, and so we finally meet the uncle Wendell P. Clark.
0: Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Wendell P. Clark.
1: And he is played by Norman Mitchell, who is not from America, if you can believe it, <gasps> but uh, from Yorkshire. From Yorkshire. Actually. I'm shocked. Yeah. Shocked, um, I tells you. He comes back to Are You Being Served in a little bit of a later episode in Lost and Found, where Tiddles goes missing. Oh. Yeah. Okay, we'll have to watch for him there. Uh, and he's also made appearances, also in Comeback, Mrs. Noah... In you Rang My Lord Last of the Summer Wine, Adrian Mole, and Keep It in the Family, which we've talked about before, which uh, inspired uh, the American sitcom Too Close to Comfort, Too Close for Comfort.
0: Easy for you to say. Um, yeah. So he gets around again. There's about ten English actors total in the world, <laughs> right. and he's one of the ten. Apparently,
1: and they all rotate in yeah, guest spots on all efficient. of the shows. Right. <laughs> um, he he gets around, but he's obviously never been to America before because. He gives himself away as an Englishman with saying, oh, you're going to have the wedding ceremony right here. He's got the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable.
0: That's, you You knew you just did that, right? Um, yeah, I've actually had a lot of British people like try to imitate because, you know, I kind of have a funny voice sometimes and I talk like I'm on the radio. Um, so they'll still try to imitate it and they sound like, Wendell Plee Clark, the, you, you'll, we'll have the wedding ceremony right here, guys. And they'll say guys, and it's really hard to imitate. But, um, yeah, it's just not the nuance, the beautiful flow of the American language.
1: Who, there was someone else who tried to pass for an American accent that said secretary instead of oh, secretary. Oh, yeah. Who was that? I don't know. can't think of it. Yeah. Anyway, so then this, the star of the show, Mr. Humphreys, comes in wearing the groom's outfit. So, so um, cute.
0: Of course he's wearing he, a skirt. Of course.
1: Of, well, it's, come on, it's not a skirt, it's a kilt, because a man is wearing it.
0: <sighs> Labels.
1: Right. Uh, so he's wearing this very, very short pleated white kilt, which is called a fustinella. Uh, it is in, it is based on the same kind of thing that um, the Roman toga is um, is uh, concocted to be in terms of a soldier's outfit. And so if you were a war hero or of other important person, your Fustanella had pleats. But if you were just an average everyday person, it was plain like a toga. Oh,
0: so right? he had lots of
1: pleats, right? In his, He had lots of pleats because he's the groom. He's very important. Oh. Hmm. Um he's wearing this okay. fez with a comically long silk tassel, which is called a cockade, which I wish I, I don't think that anyone else would have known what that's called. I mean, and, you know, for the record, I didn't either. I researched this and looked this up. But if they were to somehow make uh, that pun on that a pun with the word cockade and Mr. Humphreys, I think that would have been hysterical.
0: <laughs> that seems right? too sharp somehow. But
1: yeah. Um. Um, and he's also wearing this tunic with billowy sleeves, right? So he's looking very, very campy in this traditional Greek um, costume. And not and only it's that, hysterical. but
0: he's wearing like white tights. And they have, I mean, the thing is this outfit is very traditional. And if you see like the Greek, I don't know what the term is, but like the Greek guard, like right. doing some Greek official guards, yeah. Greek thing uh, ceremonially, there'll be like 10 really handsome uh, men dressed up in this identical outfit, right? Well,
1: not identical because the fustanella will be longer. Okay. The sleeves on the, the tunic will not be as billowy. It'll be a dress shirt. It was Humphrey-sized
0: right? si- Humphrey a little right. bit.
1: We get Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas pretending to be Greek and not even trying to put on a Greek accent, but just speaking <laughs> in that in that pigeony type English where they add... Um, vowel sounds yeah. onto you know we from we come from semi Village, yeah. You no, know, there, there's nothing inherent about Greek That's that you Greek. need to add that e on here. Now, at, where they keep adding the os onto everything, yes, that is reminiscent of Greek language and makes a little bit sense. But you know we get a we get a bad setup in terms of we come from Seamy Village, but then Humphrey's nails at home with puff toes. <laughs> No, is there a real place called? There is not. Mm. There is not. In your dreams.
0: I know. Where where exactly is this uh, this holiday camp exactly? (laughs)
1: It's Mykonos, basically, (laughs) right? Um, So Mrs. Slocum emerges from the fitting room, and she's drunk as anything. She's (laughs) like drinking straight from the bottle, throws it. We hear a little bit of a crash. And so Captain Peacock starts to escort her down the aisle, and the record is playing. Here comes the bride, and it starts to skip. So we get that physical comedy of Captain Peacock taking a, so step, in and cute. a step in back, taking a step back. Oh my right? god!
0: I love Frank Thornton. He's—I was—I said this a couple episodes ago. Like he's so straight in, like in in the not the heterosexual way, but um, you know, like the place a straight man, which is like the, the one who yeah. doesn't get the joke and isn't laughing. But he's—I mean—there's so much comedy in that man. So funny.
1: Yeah. So they make it to the altar, and Missus Slocum finally sees Mister Humphrey's costume, and she starts cracking up laughing, <laughs> which immediately starts changes to crying because she's shit faced drunk, <laughs> right? Yeah. So Mister Harmon changes the record, it puts on a a uh, a Greek chant, uh, and Mister Teb starts doing this weird <laughs> ritual where he ties their hands together with a pocket watch, uh, starts sprinkling salt and pepper over them. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mr. Humphreys <laughs> is trying to vocalize with the chair. The entire <laughs> the entire
2: crew
0: is. The, I saw you see Mr. Uh, you see Captain Peacock in the background, and all the people like just randomly singing. And the, I was bursting out laughing when you see him like Mr. Tebbs, get the salt shaker <laughs> with the pepper mill, the with pepper the pepper mill, mill over there. and he cranks it on both. Pages.
1: <laughs> and then he gets like I think it's like, salad dressing, <laughs> and he puts it out there. <laughs> Well, that, that's that's the thing. So it starts stupid. off with, it starts off with him anointing their hands with oil, which could could be it's done in a wedding it. ceremony, but then puts on every other condiment from the canteen. It's like <laughs> like I'm I would be surprised if you did it, or like brown sauce, right? <laughs> HP. And I so love he how prena- he. He's just taking
0: himself so so seriously, and then he takes a candle on a candlestick and just kind of moves it around. It's so stupid.
1: So without them taking (laughs) any vows or saying any prayers, he pronounces them Manos Manos and
0: Wifus. Wifus. It's so stupid. (laughs) That's why it's so So, cute. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So there's no kiss, but they immediately break to have the reception and the uncle says, now wait a minute, wait a minute, you've got to do the bridal dance. Every Greek wedding I've ever been to, there's been a bridal dance.
0: And then he calls, he says, wait a minute, guys. Apparently guys is quite American, I suppose.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's 1978 mm-hmm. and the whole reason that Uncle Wendell is buying her the house is because a Greek man saved his father's life in the war something, or something yeah. like that. Right? So, Uncle Wendell has had an affinity for the Greek culture for about 30 years. Okay. But in reality, they didn't start doing this dance until after the 1964 movie Zorba the Greek. Right? Oh. The tradition, The traditional Greek wedding dance is one that is um, where everyone is in a circle holding hands and they kind of grapevine clockwise around. Mm-hmm. If you, think about, um, if you think about a Jewish wedding, you think about when you're, when you're dancing the Hora, when the, the chair part and the, the groom middle. are up in the chairs mm. and everyone's kind of dancing in a circle, stepping around. Okay. It's very similar to that. So the traditional one is called uh, um, Kalamatianos, right? That's the traditional one. But in the 1964 movie Zorba the Greek, they introduced another kind of dance, which is based on a traditional dance called the Hasapiko. Okay. Which is the butcher's dance, which is t- meant to uh, mimic a sword fight, where you've got the four men who are lined up, arms out on each other's shoulders, and they kind of are dancing side to side and like forward and back and stuff so. So like
0: that's that. the dance that like Slocum and Humphreys start doing.
1: That's that dance, and that's called a sirtaki, hmm. and that's a very modern wedding tradition. Any modern wedding you go to now, yes, they'll do the sirtaki. It'll usually be. The groom and the best man and all of the the male bridal party there do that. That's cool. And that that will usually lead into the whole garter ceremony thing, where the where the best man or the groom takes the garter off with. Yeah, anyway.
0: But it's weird that like it seems that modern Greek wedding culture comes from a movie in 1964, right? <laughs> Which is funny, but it's almost like you know you think about uh, Native American tribes. Um, Uh, even today, they'll wear the giant feathered headdresses, right? The the giant thing that almost, you know, uh, I think of Cher in that one outfit she wore in the 80s. Well, their ancestors never wore feather headdresses, but they were depicted that way in the 50s in Westerns. So we all are a product of the zeitgeist we live in. So when they saw Native Americans or Indians, as they were called, portrayed on the TV, they adopted the image that they were given of themselves from you know the white film people and now they've kind of right. adopted that so it's kind of a um, reverse thing there so kind yeah. of interesting
1: yeah it's it's funny how modern traditions catch on from pop culture like if you think about have you ever been to an irish wedding
0: no but i bet it would be fun okay.
1: right you know i i've i grew up in a certain age where you know you I've only gone to Irish weddings, obviously since, since I've been alive and every Irish wedding you go to, they will, there's a line dance that they do to rock the boat, the 1970s disco song where they all sit on the okay. floor and do these motions. Like oh, they're rowing yeah, yeah, a boat. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and obviously right. that can only have come out since the song came out, but it's <laughs> yeah. it, every single wedding that you go to, no matter how posh or how middle class, <laughs> Everyone's going to sit on the dance floor and do this uh, this dance.
0: And now we're going to do the old ancient Irish the, tradition at every old, wedding since 1702. Rock the the, boat the old dance. tradition
1: of the electric slide. <laughs> or <laughs> hands up, baby, hands up. Uh, anyway, Mrs. Slocum leads, Mr. Humphreys picks up very quickly, and everyone joins in the dance, and there's your wedding. And there's your episode.
0: I gotta say, I think the end. I don't know. It's so old fashioned, even for 1978. And remember, we've said this before when you're seven, in 1978, if you're 50, you were born in 1928, right? No, that's 1920. Right <laughs> math. Um, you remember old school stuff. So when you were 15, that was super old school. So it's just so old fashioned and charming when suddenly they start dancing. And you know, Mr. Humphreys doesn't really know what to do. And Mr. S- Mrs. Slocum has to kind of lead him. And suddenly he knows what he's doing. And then he kind of takes the lead. And somehow, of course, like every silly TV show when they burst into dance, somehow they just sync up. And then you see the nurse start dancing. And then you see Mr. Mr. Rumbold, And you see the whole crew get into it. And it's so charming. And you can tell that it's really a, an ensemble yeah. cast. Um, I think it's great. And I know it's easy in modern TV. So I think, oh, it's a stupid dance, song and dance thing, and they're just killing time. But I really think it's a charming part of the show. I mean, you, what other TV show that you watch now or then did they burst into song? And I wanted to point out that was live Greek music played by probably a live yeah. Greek band. I bet you those, those people were actually yeah, Greek I mean, people th- playing
1: live the, on the The two stage. band members didn't speak a single line, and they got credited by name in the end credits because they were playing live, right?
0: Yeah, and you know, like every time there's ever music on the studio, on All you Being Served, it's always played live. A lot of times, it's played by the cast, like um, uh, Harold, um, no, um, Nicholas Smith, Mr. Rumbold. Yeah, so it's I, I love that last scene, and it was it was not too long. They didn't do it yep. twice, which yep. they often do. They'll do a thing twice, and they kind of did that Surtaki, or no, they did the. Um, Kalamatiyano, no, the, the, the that's the name of it. The Star where they kind of got in a big yeah, circle yeah, yeah. and and kind of did it a little bit, but I just think it was really yeah, cute. I I, loved it.
1: I, lo- I love this Yay. episode. This is my favorite episode. And now, why I'll, is it your favorite? That's a that's a very big so thing. So I'll, I'll be honest. It it started when I when I first started watching the show as a teenager, hearing them use the ethnic slurs was titillating, and I found it hilarious because when you, when you really? have. Um, when you're a teenager, these things are provocative, you know, and, and you're you're yeah. seeing how people react to them, and that kind of humor, it was, you know, it was a little naughty. It was like, oh, I'm watching something that's like above my pay grade. I'm watching something that's a little too mature for me. <laughs> you're
0: you're 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 pretending you're an adult exactly. by watching this, and it's interesting because you grew up in Brooklyn. You probably would have actually heard those right. slurs right. growing up. I never have even heard right. them today.
1: So. But I think as an adult now, why it remains my favorite episode is that you have most of the major tropes and plot elements that you'll get in any episode of Are You Being Served*? right? You've got Mrs. Silcum Drunk. You've got Mr. Humphreys in (laughs) a uh, really, really campy costume. You've got a scheme that they cook up to kind of come together as opposed to some Mm -hmm, kind of conflict between the gentleman's department and the ladies' department, or some conflict between yeah, yeah, staff true. and management, gotcha. it's they're all banded together. They're all on the same team of, they're all they're on the, all same the same side, team, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's there's not a lot of exposition, right? There's there's some build up to this. Is like, oh, you know, she announces pretty early on in the episode, "I'm engaged." I'm going to get I'm planning for the wedding, I'm going to have the wedding, I have the wedding and then it, it happens, right? So there's it's not like by appointment where there's all this build up to the queen is coming, the queen is coming. They spend a lot of time on the rehearsal doing the same bit over and over again up and down the stairs and then yeah, the payoff right. is 2 minutes at the end and she never comes.
0: I think maybe because we are products of our environment, it's 2020, um, TV has changed a hell of a lot since 1978, right? And one of the things I hear us always complaining about is they did the joke twice or three times. Like, they bring out the center display unit and... the mouth doesn't work. So Mr. Harmon like twiddles right. a screwdriver in the neck once, and then he has to do it again. And then a third time, because then Mr. Harmon or Mr. Rumbold right. has to come and see it. So, but this episode, it's lacking that there's no Agreed. repetition. I think for a 2020 uh, audience, this is a fresh enough. There's something new in every scene and it's not recycled at all. Um, even the dancing at the end didn't seem to be uh, too and I think
1: this is me. also a really good starter episode, right? If, um, so on, on the sitcom club, they they um uh, they were introducing, trying to figure out how to introduce. Are you being served to someone who hadn't seen it before, and they started with That's um, a good idea. Uh, a change is as good as a rest. The Toy Store episode, and I don't yeah. think that one paints all of the characters in the best light because you don't you don't need to know anything about the backstory, their character's backstory, and it doesn't come out in the plot of the episode because it's all about fish out of water, right? Whereas here, yeah. with this episode, you don't need to know anything about them. You can pick it up just by watching them interact with each other. And the the, mm, the yeah, comedy comes out just in their lines, in the physical gags, and in the side comedy, right? You don't, you don't need to be told that Mr. Humphreys is a campy character. You can, You don't have to have watched six seasons of this to know that. You you pick that up <laughs> right away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think a good point, in fact. Um, when you talk about the, um, the sitcom club on Podnos, um, that episode, yeah, I think... I've, and I'm sorry, guys, I can't remember who said what, but one of the guys had seen it before and was very right. familiar with it, the show. The other one was like, I kind of know of it, but I've never really sat down and watched... Uh, because it is, you know, a fifty right. year old show. Um, and I think the reason they chose um a change is as good as the rest was because it was his favorite episode right. of the show. But I think you're right. For us to know, oh my god, a fish out of water, you have to know what the water was yeah. originally. You have to know who the characters were. And I think this episode does a great job of that. You see um Captain Peacock say to in his very you know uh mm. evuncular way you love thank that you. word um well i learned it on the show thank you of like an uncle he's the one who takes betty slocum aside and say come into the um into the, uh, the, the changing betty, room betty. Uh, mrs slocum yeah betty first name basis i have to tell you some some interesting I have to explain news. a few things like he's the you, one yeah. who's like yeah, I have to explain some things to you. He's the one you you know who he is. You know who Mrs. Slocum is. You know um, who everyone is. So that's a good point. This is a interesting episode. It makes me want to do a, a thing on Facebook like, what is the best episode? If
1: you that would had be to pick an episode, crazy. if you had to pick an episode to introduce non-believers to are you being served, Mm, non-unanimous between do you take this man in German week which one would you would you show them don't make me choose the child to kill (laughs) Sophie's choice Slocum's
0: choice Sophie's choice Slocum's (laughs) choice you know um, I think German week I mean you see drunk Mrs. Slocum and you see a lot of drunk Mrs. Slocum Um, you don't see a lot of drunk Mrs. Slocum here but you see the Archbishop of Athens or whatever like grinding pepper and everyone's like, oh yeah. And of course the American's stupid enough to be like, oh yeah, he's well, oh, this is exactly what they do in Greece. Um, that's an interesting topic. Maybe, maybe when we get tired of doing episodes, <laughs> we just do a uh crowd surfed thing where we say, all right, what is your the favorite episode and why? And we're going Here's to do Here's what we'll it. do.
1: Okay. Let's let's do a best of sixty four bracket where
0: <gasps> oh, that's like the sports with right, the straight where we'll do, randomly
1: right? pull seeds and pit episodes <laughs> against each other and see where we end up.
0: Ooh, can, I like can that. We, okay. Can we
1: arithmetically do that because there are 70 episodes and it has to be um, in, in power In it has to be 64, 32 or 64.
0: Well, if only one of us, Jeff, Mr. Jeff, loved numbers and spreadsheets and looking at data... I don't know. We'll have to flip a coin to see which one of those, which one of us does that a lot.
1: We'll figure it out. Anyway, so (laughs) um, next week, listeners, we're going to talk about Shedding the Load, which is the episode where they vote each other off the island about who's going to be forced to resign.
0: God, I don't remember much about that episode. I can't wait. Well, Um, this this is the
1: one where no one votes for Mr. Humphreys, as opposed to the one much later on where he almost gets fired. So, Because of the missing, of the missing, money, missing money in, the in the till. Till. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Brandon, if, if our listeners in the UK want to call in and give us their best American accents to see if they could do better than Wendell P. Clark,
0: oh my, how God. can they get
1: in touch with us?
0: That is such a good idea. So, here's the thing. We have the Peacock Hotline. 662-PEACOCK. Uh, 662-732-2625. If you're not in the United States of America... Um, it might be expensive for you to ring, so you can go to your iPhone or Google thing and ring. record a voice memo Google thing that's Technical what they and record a, <laughs> record a voice memo on your phone and email that file to us, and you can email that to "That Does Suit Madam" with an E at gmail.com. and we will be able to play it on the episode. So uh, you don't have to be an American or uh, anything to, uh, to do that. We're also on Facebook. And we're on Twitter at Does Suit Madam, and we've been getting a lot of fun uh, messages and following and stuff on Twitter. So thank you for everyone for following us there. And with that, Mr. Jeff, why don't we say to everyone, as we do every week, you've, you've all done, done very well. well.
1: Goodbye, unanimous. Thank Bye. you. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball.